0: Hello and welcome to the Tell Me If You Can podcast, a podcast where I have the honor of listening to and unpacking stories of amazing women. My name is Ogechi, your host, and today's guest is Jennifer Ables. Jennifer is a woman like many of us who has worn many hats, from insurance copywriter to dancer to nonprofit founder. In today's episode, Jennifer shares with us how transitioning through these roles led her to her path of self-discovery and rediscovery, and how success in life looks different. Let's take a listen to Jennifer's story. Hi, Jennifer, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. For those of us that don't know who you are, can you give us a quick rundown
1: who you are, what you do, and where you're from? Absolutely. Thanks for having me. My name is Jen Abels and I live in San Diego, California. The easiest way for me to describe myself is I'm a creative. And for me, that just means that life continues to change. I continue to adapt with it. And I have to just be creative and what that means. I love that. Very
0: succinct and (laughs) to the point, but also very open-ended. So you're not pigeonholed at any one kind of career. And I love that. I think so many of us are creatives and we may not have realized that. Um, So growing up, were you a creative person? Did you have those uh, talents? Were you a right brain, left brain kind of kid, or were you a little bit of both? And what are some goals that you had as a kid growing up?
1: I, th- I think that I was definitely equally balanced, as my dad is an engineer, and my mom is a dance teacher, a music teacher, all sorts of, and both sides of my family are strong in both. So mm-hmm. my mom was actually still dancing when she was pregnant with me. So I've been dancing since I was an embryo. So i always my that was really my entire childhood ambition I just wanted to be a ballerina to the point that I would actually um tie my feet into a turned out position like that perfect ballet turnout at night after my parents would say say good night I like quietly like tie my feet to the bedpost so so they would my legs would naturally turn out like it's a it's a weird obsession as a child. Yeah. To that much. I really want to be a ballerina that much that I'm going to do this. So yeah, I'd always wanted to be, I'd always wanted to be a dancer, but I was also good in school. So I felt kind of lucky that way, but couldn't really sit still very long. So mm-hmm. dancing was a great natural fit for me.
0: That's, I mean, that's a great outlet to have. And I think more and more people are realizing the, va- the value of nurturing both parts of the personalities and the brain, the um, empirical knowledge and also the creative side and creative expression, whether it's physically um, or even just a talent such as writing or directing, those also are creative parts of your brain. So I think it's cool that you had the opportunity to do both because of your experience with your family and your parents. So, okay, so you really wanted to be a ballerina. You to the point where you tied your feet in that turnout position. And then now as an adult, what led you to your first career? And so many of us, our first careers or first jobs that we have are not at all where we've landed many, many years later from college and those majors that we selected and those goals that we place for ourselves. So what were some of the next steps in goal setting for yourself as a young adult?
1: You know, as a young adult, and I think a lot of people will identify this, that if they wanted to ever go into the arts, the first thing that you hear is that, oh, you want to be a starving artist, Mm -hmm. starving artist, like the word starving always goes with artist, and I really let that fear kind of overtake what I, what I wanted to do with what I felt I should do. So when I went to college, I made sure I went to a college, I went to Temple University in Philadelphia and I made sure that they had a dance program there. Mm-hmm. They had a dance team that I could join, which I did. Um, but I majored in business and using that other side of my brain, right? The analytical math statistics part of it. I have a degree in risk management and insurance it's not no. um I, I know, nowhere nowhere in my growing up did i ever think you know what i'd like to be an insurance underwriter mm-hmm. no not, not at all but it's really that fear and that mentality that persists really everywhere i feel like i've ever been in the world of starving artists and i was so afraid of that and i didn't i didn't want that so i got my degree in insurance and worked in corporate america And I started dancing. I picked up ballroom dancing along the way, and it was so much fun. I loved it. And I started looking forward to anything that was not work-related. And they offered me, the studio where I was taking lessons offered me a part-time job. And I thought, I can do this. I'll work my day job. By that time, I was a consultant with Deloitte & Touche. And I was like, I can do this during the day, and I'll work my other job at night to the point where I started to get really sloppy in my day job, cause I just knew I didn't care anymore. And when I realized that I was like, this is so far out of your ethics of who you are as a person, you're not sloppy, you don't turn in bad work. Like that's, you either have to make it, you have to make a change. So you're either gonna go back to dancing as a hobby and just enjoy it, or you're gonna quit and pursue this full-time
0: that's what i did wow i mean okay so you say that you took that leap of faith which is very scary and deloitte is no small um company to be working at so no. you have this almost dream job for some people if that's truly their dream right. job and yeah. then you kind of are frustrated because you fit yourself your square peg round hole If anyone's ever watched the movie The Holiday, I love that quote from the movie because it's a perfect example of trying to fit two pieces that didn't match. So this position was a round hole and you're a square peg and it was not matching up and trying to squeeze yourself into that position wasn't, wasn't making you happy. But more importantly, I like how you talk about like almost the ethos of who you are as a person. Was be was deteriorating because of that unhappiness and that misfit. You are then becoming like a poor worker, not the best version of yourself yeah. in that position. And you recognize that. That takes a lot of reflection, but also the courage to choose to um, get rid of that comfort, the worldly comfort mm-hmm. of you know money. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, hello,
1: bills and everything. Just, and this corporate America absolutely. runs the America is scary a comfy job, expense account you know really not having to really not having to worry and like you said Deloitte is a, an incredible company to work for so you know a lot of people aspire to that I felt really fortunate that that's you know where I ended up being recruited there and but it's just I really felt this you know now it looking back on it felt how torn I was between my heart and my head, Mm. right? Of my heart really wants to go this other direction, but everything logical in me says, like, what are you doing? How, why are you like giving up all of that? But I also have this, I don't know if you're familiar with the musical Rent. There's Mm. a line in the musical that says, forget regret or life is yours to miss. Yes. And that thought of, Yeah, but what if I, what if I don't, like, you can take the leap, take the leap. If it doesn't work out, go back. You have a degree, Mm -hmm. you know, figure out real quickly if you can make this work or not. So especially like being young, you know, in my twenties at that point, thinking like, oh, I could probably take this leap and and come right back if it doesn't work out or something. But I couldn't live with not knowing And I know that for a lot of people they can and that's that's fine because that's who they are, but it's not who I am. And I also think that um I grew up a military kid, my dad was Air Force, and we moved around a lot, and so things changed all the time. And as a kid, I didn't love it, but as an adult, I realized that it gave me the experience of make the best out of the situation where you're in. Mm -hmm.
0: I love that. I really love how I, first of all, love red. So forget regret (laughs) or life is yours to miss is a perfect line because like you said, for you, the idea of a what if and having that linger in your heart and your mind for the rest of your days was unacceptable. And so you chose to, you know, take that leap of faith and that heart and head turmoil happens in so many situations And the logical side of your brain is not the enemy of your heart, but that logical side of your brain is like you said, you studied risk analysis. So you risk, you, you analyze the pros and the cons, the risk and reward. And for you, the risk of the, what if was not worth it. And it was worth potentially getting a reward that may or may not pan out to what you have in your heart. Um, and so I think for a lot of people that whether it's pursuing a less traditional life path in terms of career, or even just, you know, I don't know, t- texting that person that you have or that you see on your commute daily and you yeah. exchange the numbers, just putting yourself out there is very, very scary, but you have it to is. do that risk analysis, right? Some of us might say, yeah. you no, know, it's not worth the drama. It's not worth the, potential failure Um, failure failure is harder for them than anything else but some of us are willing to to take that leap of faith and trust that the other side is is good even if it's not perfect but there's also emotional you know consequences to that some people Mm -hmm. who've come from a level of success and then they pivot to something that They've desired, but it's not as easy as the success that they had to have to manage that. Did you have any of those experiences when you pivoted to focusing solely on dancing, when in the past it was almost safe for you because it was a hobby and you didn't have to put yourself out there as
1: much? I got the biggest um, gift from the universe of you made the right choice. When my headaches went away, my Mm -hmm. stomach ulcer went away. uh, I had more energy than I ever had. And I was working longer hours, but I didn't mind. And I didn't notice the clock ticking. It It was one of those, you know, looking back at it going, yeah, that was definitely the right move. You know, I was looking for... Obviously, you know, especially in your 20s, still pre- still pretty young, some sort of like sign, you know, something yeah, that was like, uh, Was this the biggest mistake you ever made? Are you going to regret this? Uh, this choice versus the other choice. And I loved what I did so much. I felt so grateful that something like this even existed. You know, as a kid, I didn't have any exposure to ballroom dancing, I didn't really know what it was. Um, you know, it was just the ballet track the whole time. So being exposed to a ballroom and knowing like, oh, I can actually use my, a little bit of my business degree, right? Because running a studio mm-hmm. is a business. It just happens to be a business that aligns with my passion of dancing. It's a different style of dance, but I still love it. And I've also had always been teaching. I love, there's something about me that I'd always loved to teach. Even in high school, I started teaching some dance on the side. I would teach the, some of the dance patterns in our high school musical. In college, I was teaching for a program called George Parks Drum Major Academy. So I would teach uh, summer music workshops all over the U.S. And I, I love teaching. So it was my business degree, my teaching experience, my passion for dance, all combined into one. And I felt so grateful that I could do this. That I would actually, I would write thank you notes every time one of my students would buy a package of lessons. Wow. Because I just I just wanted them to know like how grateful I was that they would you know, exchange make an investment in both their time and their money to allow me the opportunity to share my passion of dance with them. Wow. And I was like this is this is amazing. It was great. I I loved it. And if it wasn't for uh I had a injury to my spine um that ended that career and I don't I mean, people ask me all the time, do you think you'd still be doing that? Uh, Probably, probably.
0: And so this injury happens (laughs) and then once again, you kind of have to pivot, but this time by force, not by bravery. So how did you then cope with that? And where did you land after?
1: The coping part was really, really difficult and sort of ties into some of the work that I do now with people that I had all of my identity my worth everything about who I was since as long as I can remember I've always wanted to be a dancer it's the first Mm -hmm. question you ask me right I wanted to be a ballerina I've always wanted to be a dancer and now that I have this injury to my spine my doctors are saying you know find a new hobby you know like dance is out of the question and I'm you know 31 years old I don't I don't, I don't understand the question. I had such an identity crisis of if I can't dance, if I can't do this thing that I swore I was put on this earth to do, I don't know who I am. And if I don't know who I am in that really dark, depressive kind of brain fog that I was in, if I didn't know who I was, I didn't know why I should even be. So I really struggled with my mental health. Um, During that time, in addition to being in a lot of physical pain and it took uh, four surgeries. I was out of work for five years and a lot of therapy, both physical therapy, but also like emotional therapy, working with actually sort of working with horses for in a something called equine facilitated psychotherapy. Mm -hmm. So instead of being in a therapist's office, I was out in a pasture with some horses, which was much more healing for me and gave me a lot more freedom and a lot more flexibility and you know it's also if we talk about a creative path like that's a creative way to do therapy yeah so that that helped me rebuild myself and my self-worth and my self-esteem to the point where I'm like I'll I'll be okay but I wanted a break from dance you know when I rehabbed enough I was like I think I think I need to try something else so I moved to San Diego This is 2010, no friends, no family, no job. I was like, I'll figure it out when I get there. I was just so afraid of slipping and falling Mm -hmm. on the ice when I was living out in DC. Mm -hmm. So when I came out here, I tried to look for a job in insurance again. And my first job back out here in San Diego, of course, teaching dance. I was like, but it's only temporary, it's only temporary, it's only temporary. Because I happened to live in the same neighborhood where Mary Murphy from So You Think You Can Dance Wow. She has a dance studio. Her dance studio was 10 blocks from my apartment. And I had no idea. Wow, and someone that. told me, like, oh, did you come here to teach at Mary's? And I was like, what? So I went. I was like, I'm not going to tell anybody that I'm a teacher. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go and do a little dance party because I'm not going to fall into the same trap again. And at the end of the night, she was like, so you're a good little dancer. Do you teach salsa? And I was like, <gasps> also my my favorite dance and she was like do you need a job and i was like oh yeah mary murphy who i know i love the show is offering me a job and i said i wasn't gonna dance but it's mary murphy oh my god and it's in my favorite dance yep (laughs) yep yep i'll do that but i was like it's only temporary it's only temporary it's only temporary and that interview led me to, she asked me to go out to the Naval Medical Center here in San Diego. Uh, You know, San Diego is a huge military town. She knew I was a military brat. And she asked if I would just teach a six-week class. There were some veterans from uh, the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. It was 2010. And they had all been fitted with new prosthetics. Most of them had lost uh, one limb, one gentleman, two limbs in combat. And they've been fitted with their prosthetics. They could walk. They could run. Why not dance? So I I went out there for six weeks. It was, I mean, like a whole new level of the universe going, yep, this is it. This is what you're supposed to do. Because I, man, I felt like that feeling of my cup runneth over every, I mean, like this was years ago and I'm still, I'm getting chills talking about it right now. Everything in my life felt like it led up to that moment. My own struggle with uh, my physical health, yes. my emotional health. You know, I'm dealing with uh, these veterans who are going to be medically discharged from the military. And I don't know if you've ever met a lot of many Marines, but they're Marines for life. Mm-hmm. So to be told, you know, in your, even a teenager, you're 19, 20 years old that, you know, you're out. They're in that, they were in that same kind of crisis mode of, but this is who I thought I was supposed to be. And now that's over. Now, how do I reinvent invent myself? So we would have you know, fun in our dance classes. We would laugh. And for a lot of the folks that I worked with, with post-traumatic stress, being okay to laugh again, being okay to be in someone else's presence. And I just felt so guided that I created a nonprofit. We called it Soldiers Who Salsa. Where we taught dance as an adaptive therapy for wounded ill and injured military veterans they were allowed to bring their families. we just created this movement literally and figuratively that lasted for almost eight years before we had to close. Wow, that oh, was tremendous what a tremendous ride it was I mean that
0: is a ride and there's so many touch points going all the way back to you talking about your military background and just the how, um, not your military, but your family's history in the military and how you were kind of forced to adopt a new environment when your family moved. And so being able to pick up and go to a, across the country, to San Francisco, and then be blessed with the opportunity to work on, in the studio with Mary. And knowing that like there was something that drew you to that position, even though, again, yeah. your mental part of your brain says, pick another <laughs> job pick another skill do something else you ignore that once again and it leads you to this soul fulfilling position and you find once again your purpose and it was not because of just your ability to be a teacher but moreover the fact that you on a mental emotional physical level could recognize the struggles that these veterans were dealing with no one else i mean there were probably other people but you were there at the right time in the right environment and in the right physical and emotional state to be able to connect with these people that, and it was, and also your experience with horse therapy and how therapeutic and creative it was for you. Um, Not everybody can do traditional sitting in front of a therapist or um, have pouring their heart out in a small room. Some people do art therapy, music therapy um, and There's horse equine therapy, even swim therapy, just, you know, moving your body. There's so many forms of ways to take care of your mental health while also um, being creative and not feeling like you're in a strict box. And so I love Mm -hmm. that you took those lessons learned from your own experience with therapy and use that to help these veterans Physically and emotionally, immensely and as well, redefine themselves as they transition out of military experience, and I think that is amazing. And um, for those of us that are listening, so many people think that pivots are failures. What does success mean to you? Ooh. Sorry. I've had to change. I,
1: no, I was saying no because because I've had to change my definition of success as I've gone along, because when when Soldier Sue Salsa came to an end for me, mm-hmm. I, uh, I I have Lyme disease and I was physically ill, mentally I was depressed again, and I was at this really. Um, it was a really, really rough point for me. I had had pneumonia six times in a year. So my body was literally shutting down and my doctors are asking me like, what's it gonna take? What, like how much more do you need that you have to reduce the stress in your life? And as much as I loved the work that we're doing, soldiers who Salsa, so the whole idea of the program running a nonprofit, constantly finding, trying to find funds, trying to keep it afloat was so stressful for me. And also so outside of my wheelhouse of creativity that the, that I, going back to what you talked about earlier, I felt like a complete failure and the depression I was in when I hurt my back years before almost seemed like nothing compared to where I was, this is in 2017, where you know, I'm physically, I can hardly move. I'm sleeping six, sometimes 16 hours a day. I'm so sick and I have to resign. And I I took a medical leave of absence and I had to resign. And I, I felt like I had let, so many people down. By this time, I had 22 locations throughout the US. We were sponsoring salsa night in Afghanistan. 2016, wow. I'd been invited to, by the Obama administration to come and talk about, um, to a White House summit to talk about our alternative therapies. For, and uh, to go from that woman of the year in San Diego finalist to where I was in a year span, felt like whiplash in addition to everything else that I just, I sunk to such a low point because I defined my success like I had before were defining my success, my identity, my worth in my job. And now that the job was gone, I had no value. Mm. And that's where my brain was really stuck. So redefining success for me was, am I showing up as the truest, most authentic me that I can be every day, and it took me—that it took me so much work to get there, to get to a spot of realizing okay. that each time I've fallen into these pits of despair, it's because I didn't know who I was, mm-hmm. and I defined who I was by what I did. Yes. So, if I wanted to feel successful as a human being on this planet. I had to figure out how to pull those things apart, that I can take on different jobs, I can have different roles, and they, life, is, life is challenging, things change. And I can be steady in my core of who I am and anchored to being a kind person, a creative person, a joyful person. I can be all of these things, no matter what role I take on, and, When those roles change, because they do, I have, I'm grounded now into, I still know who I am because I haven't let myself be defined by my job. So for me, this is probably the longest answer ever for one question. How do you define success? (laughs) Defining success as showing up every day as my authentic self.
0: I think that is, I mean, I love the explanation because it's necessary to that answer, but I love that you asked yourself that question. Am I showing up as the truest, most authentic version of me every day? And if you hesitate or you can't answer yes, you have to do the work to make sure that it's a a hearty yes to that question. And unfortunately, because of, you know, Capitalism, which isn't necessarily always bad, but our worth can be equated to the output that you have monetarily right. or yeah. the even if it's like social media, your likes or um, the materials that you can possess. But some people have figured out that all the things that you have and all the output that you have can either A go away in an instance or be, you can have everything. And if your interior self is not at peace and no matter what circumstance you're in, good or bad, then you're not, you haven't succeeded in life. Success is not necessarily succeeding in a position. Even if your position is a homemaker and you stay at home with your children, uh, it's not, does your kid get the best grades? Is your house super clean and all of those things? Who are you as a person, and do you feel like you're your most authentic version of yourself every day? And however that looks like in the world is how you achieve success. But I like how, because of your path, you've recognized that the way that you achieve success is almost like a lifeline and not an anchor. It's not supposed to hold you down or weigh you yeah. down it's supposed to help you along your journey and it's yeah. hard i mean <laughs> how many like athletes at the top of their career and in life-changing injury yeah. or um, life-changing accident or you know disease
1: For natural me, disaster yeah the this whole last year with covid and coronavirus yes. people's lives change their careers change they realize that you know maybe they weren't as valuable to their company as they thought they were and yeah you know, so much is, is there I, I mean there's obviously so much uh, that has is negative about this last year and a half or whatever but we have a huge also opportunity to kind of look at you know things really slowed down and if you slow down to kind of take a look at you know are you happy Um, and does your work value you? Does your work allow you to show up as your authentic self? Is there a way, you know, even if I were to go back into insurance right now, my job would be to find a way to show up as a creative person Mm -hmm. and to show up as a joyful person. My job doesn't limit me. Like, unless my job is actually limiting me from doing that and squashing me into some sort of a box, then maybe that's not the right place for me because I'm not going to be, I mean, I've already seen how I'm not going to be happy if I'm that way. I develop migraines from it. I develop stomach ulcer from it. I, From not being allowed to be who I was. So that's where I feel like my responsibility now going forward is making sure that I align with, you know, with myself. Is it a, is it a space where I feel like I can be that? Um, and if not, if it's not a good good fit, then I'd rather turn you down now than let you down later. Mm. Mm, Yes.
0: I love that. I would rather turn you down now. And so many of us want to be people pleasers, but I think (laughs) having a true sense of self allows you to create boundaries so that you know what you can or cannot do in order to maintain and protect that authentic self, that version of yourself. Because then anything you're outputting into the world is inauthentic and in a yeah. sense fake. And so you trying to please people, you're being inauthentic to who you are. And so the, any relationship or any progress you have is not deeply rooted in that authenticity. It's right. almost like it has no real foundation. So I think that when we reframe boundaries and saying no and protecting ourselves. We're not harming other people. We're actually doing them a a greater service because they get to know us as we are meant to be and not as they would wish us to be. And I think that in turn, that empowers them to walk into the walk this earth as they are meant to be. But so many of us, and I'm talking about myself too, wear a mask and wear a costume of ourselves, yeah. depending on where we are, especially at work, um, where you kind of have to like perform and do your duties and you shed a little bit about who you are because you need to fit that square box or square hole. And we are meant to be ourselves. And if it doesn't fit us, then it's not for us, but that is easier yeah. said than done. And I am so Absolutely. thankful that, um, throughout your journey, you've been able to not only trial and error live this out, but then in turn, help others figure this out for themselves, and live their lives in a way that matches the truer definition of success.
1: Yeah. And I think that, that, you know, I can't expect any one particular job to fulfill all those boxes for me, right? So mm-hmm. if I feel like my creativity maybe is stifled at work, then I, I have to find somewhere else to get that. So not everybody has the opportunity to leave their job that no one's not everybody's in that kind of a position where they can do that. Um, so are there other ways? Are there other aspects of their life where they can fill that bucket up? You know, is it for some people, I know that for me, I have a, have a talk with one of my friends, you know, just sitting down and having coffee lets me connect with somebody else. Um, at the moment, I've taken a, a, a Facebook break for 30 days to allow myself to be more creative, to, you know, to write more, to journal more, because I felt like I was getting stuck in my creativity, because I was just kind of numbing and scrolling through. You know, Facebook Been post after post after post. Yeah, I was like, we we all have. And my coach actually encouraged me to get bored, and I was like, "I'm bored all the time." And he's like, "No, you're not. <laughs> you you distract yourself frequently, but when you get bored, you start to play. And when you play, you create. So get get bored and start creating. So that's, that's where where I am personally right now. But again, me, for me, it's finding other ways and not just relying on one source to to fill that bucket of joyfulness, creativity. Maybe it's an interaction with a friend. Maybe it's as simple as going out to a dinner with a friend or having coffee with somebody, connecting with someone over Zoom, you know, seeing my family that live all over the world. Having a I hosted a a game show for my family for Christmas and it was a blast. It was so rewarding and so fulfilling. And I always think about those times when you don't realize that time is passing, Mm. when you're so caught up in the moment, right? Because that's what it's, that's what it is to be a human being, right? I'm just being. And when I'm so caught up in the moment that I don't even notice time has passed, I want to do more of those things and drilling down part of the work that I do right now and working with some small groups on helping them find out what is their role versus their identity, kind of untangling that web like I went through of when I'm at my best and when I feel my best, when I feel most alive, not just what am I doing? Is it them having a conversation with a friend? But what is the core of what's making me come alive in that moment? It's that I'm connecting soul to soul with another person. Mm. It's that I'm sharing with them, they're sharing with me. We're creating a deeper connection. And that's, to me, that's part of, my core identity of being a loving person and being a kind person. So I take on that responsibility of finding different ways to fill those different buckets up and not relying on it to be 100% coming from my job or for some of my other friends, 100% coming from their partner, their spouse. You know, there's, we got to do some work. Yes.
0: Yes. I was reading something about kind of this hustle culture mentality that a lot of people, especially as a millennial, I feel like I grew up with the idea that you kind of have to have multiple streams of income to be wealthy and successful, yada, yada, yada. And then I saw kind of a shift of that mindset and it was multiple streams of happiness and contentment. And it, I mean, I know it sounds very like hippity-dippity or whatever to some people, but if you think about it, going to the gym is a stream doing, uh, I don't know, clay work or going to the movies by yourself with no one there. Um, eating at a restaurant by yourself, going to the beach, um, taking yoga classes once a week, or, um, just hanging with your nieces and nephews or your godchildren, um, going to on a hike. Those are all streams of contentment and happiness. And we don't do them to be the best hiker in the world. We're, These are things that you do because it either feels good afterwards. It clears your mind, like allows you to think, pray, meditate, whatever it is. But those are all streams of happiness and contentment and joy. And as much as we might, even if your goal in life is to create wealth because you want to pass that down for generations and there's nothing inherently wrong with money, but money by itself is not bad or good it just is but the attachments yeah. we have to materials and things can then be bad or good because we attach our value and worth to them but contentment is almost always good right Contentment right. and joy and peace peace doesn't mean the absence of turmoil but a lot of people were able to find peace and contentment even during the pandemic because They spent as much more time than they ever did indoors with their family. They enjoyed walks that they may never have been able to do if they were commuting. They were able to save time and use that time to learn to cook or a new hobby that brought them joy. Multiple streams of contentment is a great thing to pursue. And I think that's what you're talking about. Finding as many ways as possible to be your most
1: authentic self. Yeah, multiple streets of contentment. I'm going to start using that. Thank you. I, will point you when
0: I, said <laughs> I wish I could tell you where I saw it um, <laughs> as I was scrolling online, um, but yeah. I loved it and it stuck with me. Okay. I always ask my guests a uh, final question. What is one rose and thorn that you've experienced lately? So a rose is a high point and a thorn is a valley or a low point that you've experienced
1: well, oh, I got somebody to choose from. Um, a, a rose for me, ironically enough. My dog's name is Sadie Rose. Oh. <laughs> and during this last year, I don't know how I would have gotten through it because I live by myself mm-hmm. without her. She's a constant reminder for me to be in the moment because dogs don't know anything except here now, present moment. She finds joy in simple things. I could buy her all sorts of expensive toys, but her favorite thing to play with is a rock. Um, you know, she, when I see her being super excited to be at the beach, I can't say the word too loud or she's gonna start barking. Like, yeah. Um, on a trail out in nature, she's so happy and she's just that. If you've ever seen pets, they do have a look of joy on their face. When she's a, she's so happy and she's so in her element and she's i'm like oh yeah dogs have that secret right to life of enjoying being in the moment uh so she's sadie rose is my rose because every single day she reminds me of the gift that is the present
0: wow i i feel like that might be the best answer that um well one because her name is has a rose in it so there's that but um I love that. She reminds me of the gift that is the peasant. And do you have a thorn?
1: Thorn is for sure. I'm in San Diego, and all of my family is on the East Coast or somewhere else. Oh, so, wow. yeah. for um, for a year and a half, I've only seen my family on Zoom. I have a, I do have a cousin that lives about an hour away, and we've only we've seen each other like once or twice. But um, family is so important to me and is such a strong, you know, all the times that I have fallen, my family and my friends are the ones who have loved me back to health. I am realize how incredibly blessed I am to have the family that I have and to not be able to see them or to be in their presence and just enjoy their physical, you know, being with it. That's been, that's been rough. And as much as, and it's, it's kind of like you said earlier, it's not, my peace is not because I'm happy all the time. My peace is that I accept all of that, all of what I'm feeling. I don't try to stuff down my negative emotions anymore. I feel them, but there's a difference between feeling my emotions and feeding my emotions. Mm -hmm. So if I'm feeling sad, Don't feed it, feel it, but don't continue to like, let's see how far, much further down I can dig this hole. Nope, just feel it, don't feed it. But when I'm feeling moments of joy, happiness, creativity, inspiration, all those good ones, how do I feed those? Let me do more of that so that I can stay at peace.
0: Thank you so much. I have really enjoyed our conversation. And for those that have been listening, how could they follow along on your
1: story? Real easy. My name.com. Jenables.com. J-E-N-A-B-L-E-S.com.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Jen. And I will leave your website in the show notes down below and go ahead and check it out and see what Jen is up to. And I wish you the best in your amazing journey.
1: you thank you so much for having me this
0: has been great thank you jennifer is truly an inspiration she took leap after faith after leap after faith each one being emotional and requiring a different way to adapt i love that she quoted Rent, one of my favorite musicals and she recognized her need for physical and emotional and mental health and care And in doing that therapy for herself, she discovered a new passion. Always remember that each leap of faith leads you in a place where you'll land that might surprise you and you'll rediscover parts of yourself you might have forgotten. I hope you took a lot from Jennifer's story today and follow Jennifer along in her story at JenniferAbles.com. While you're on the internet, go ahead and follow Tell Me If You Can podcast on Instagram, Leave a review wherever you are listening to this podcast and thank you again. And as always, have a great day in your own amazing story.